welcome to Question Block, Secret Lofts, Educational Historical Comedy Podcast. This week we're talking about the creepy, spooky world of the occult. So I'm uh, Wires of NYC, also known as Alex, also known as the King of Thunderclouds. And with me is... The Enochian goddess, Arielist. <laughs> nice. I uh, perform interpretations of the Enochian language with oh, yeah, my aerial do, pieces. You do rituals. Yes, I oh. do. And yeah, uh, Enochian magic, I, it like speaks to me because it's, it's the angels that are like closest to humans. It's kind of like as above, so below angel style. Oh, okay. But as like, as way above. Exactly. Got it. So we're going to talk all about the occult because it's spooky season. I feel like we don't normally start with definitions because it's hokey, but... Oh, no, we totally do. But um, this time I feel like we should okay. define occult. Do you want to tell so people you and what I occult even, is? In, in like planning this episode, we had realized we had two different definitions of it. So mine is the like the very broad sense. So it's a category of supernatural beliefs and practices which generally fall outside the scope of religion and science. And so it includes the things you normally associate with the occult, like mysticism, spirituality and magic. And it can also refer to supernatural ideas like extrasensory perception and parapsychology. And like some people put like UFOs in there, like science fiction stuff even. That's what I considered the occult. So I consider I consider the occult the rules of nature, mastery of language and symbols, and basically manipulation of people through the use of symbols and language. I think my definition is maybe how science sees the occult, and yours is how people who believe in the occult see the occult. Yes, (laughs) and I think that your definition includes esotericism, which is sort of like uh, the cousin of the occult. Oh. So, yeah, just occult sciences are, are, it's like manipulation and control through symbols. And then esotericism is, I think, the sort of... uh, pseudoscience that you that your definition referred to yeah so it comes from the uh the latin word like occultists or something that just means the knowledge of the hidden so yeah that works whereas like stuff in science is measurable i don't know why religion doesn't fall into the category of the occult but they've managed to keep themselves separate from it and somehow discredit everything in the occult while still making it okay to believe in a sky god Yes, and like be- angels and stuff. Because occult practices and so- and societies are very, they have a lot to do with science. And it's no, interesting. No, they don't. Well, <laughs> at the time, there were, you know, for example, there wasn't a distinction between astronomy and astrology. Yeah. There's some of these figures that we're going to talk about. And, you know, at in certain of these periods that we're going to talk about, you could be hung for, for doing math. Which, I mean, that's my time period. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about what are called the occult sciences, which, yeah, like you said, alchemy, astrology, and natural magic, like crystals and, like, you know, herbal potions and stuff. Yeah, you could argue that, that like, you know, the modern supplement movement involves some amount of natural magic. So when did all this start? When, since the beginning <laughs> when, of time. Yeah, since humans had ideas about since humans are trying to explain things since Uh, language and plato's forms that's a huge like his theory of forms is basically like like the the idea of a perfect 
this is a hidden like world or plane of reality yeah this one exactly and that you could like communicate with it yeah and that's been the original natural sciences like the greeks you know back in the day they were like yeah we're just trying to explain that world by like measuring things in this world yes but we'll talk about when like when did like i think people listening to this who want to know about the occult they're like when did like the secret orders get started when did the rituals happen when did like seances like get started um they're all thinking basically of Al- Alistair Crowley and that he's like the quintessential view of an occult. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Because this, because yeah, occultism in Europe, I think that's what people want to know. Like they're like, when did white people get involved? <laughs> right. Because it's been going on in Egypt and Greece and in like China yeah, for centuries. At some point we could do like a voodoo episode. And there definitely is like, yeah, the Chinese communing with spirits and like, but sure, we'll, we'll, we'll indulge in, them. <laughs> in 1463, that's the, that's the year. So this is the start of the, the Renaissance and Constantinople was on fire. It was burning AF. So all of these texts that had been guarded by, uh, by like Arabic, the Arabic country, scholars, Arabic scholars, all of these texts were being released to Europe. And I think during the Crusades, too, there was some amount of like, right, Europeans would go to the Middle East, like burn a bunch of abbeys and sack like temples and stuff and then bring back documents. Yes. But during the during the Crusades, you weren't allowed to really be as interested in this kind of stuff. So maybe people were reading them but no one knew that it wasn't documented. No one was like writing down that they were reading these texts that were other than the Bible, basically. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So that there's the hermetic texts were ones that the Medici's were specifically interested in. And we're going to talk about Calcimo Medici, who is like the most interested in obtaining these hermetic texts um, and sort of like the, the trickle down effect that his interest had. So he gets like all these other people interested in it. And we're going to talk about all those people and their like weird stories, but let's give some background on the hermetic texts. So who is Hermes? Oh, so, right. Hermes is the Greek, the Greek messenger God. Right. Um, and the art of alchemy is associated with Hermes. And he, he's the That's one with like, he had like the Nikes, right? Yeah, he got the winged shoes. Yeah. But yeah, originally alchemy was also referred to as the hermetic art. Yeah, he... Um, so he, maybe yeah. he's like a god of chemistry as well. Yeah, actually, it's it's cool. He's like the the mercurial, always flying around. He's like everyone's friend. He's kind of like... Well, he's like Mercutio, Trigmenethus. Uh, tri- Trigestimus. Trigestimus. So this... Yeah, there's this mythical figure who supposedly wrote the hermetic texts that you're going to like you know dig deeper into and they're all dated anywhere from like 300 bc to like 1200 ad so it's it's like the dark ages basically um and yeah it's it's a mashup of the egyptian god thoth t-h-o-t-h you know he's like sloth but a thoth 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 with hermes called hermes trigestimus which means uh thrice greatest Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say you guessed three times. Yeah, (laughs) guessed correctly that he's the greatest three times. Um, Yeah, so he's the purported author of the Hermetica. Um, Theologica Hermetica. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which are just from like, and then that term then became a hermeticism or hermetism is a label to designate a philosophical system based on the teachings of Hermes. Trismegistus. That's it. Trismegistus. Yeah. So it's a Hellenistic combination of the Greek god Hermes and Egyptian god Thoth. All right. So give us some examples. What are some some of the writings? So the, the, the like hottest book of this collection is the Latin Asclepius, which is a dialogue between Hermes and Asclepius where it's revealed that the Egyptians did spells to make their statues come alive. And it doesn't say how they did it, but it's basically like, yes, the Egyptians used magic. Yeah, we talked about it on the Egypt episode. Right. And, like, and that the spirits would like come into the statues, the statues would come alive and like do their bidding. So... Like in the Brendan Fraser movie, The Mummy. Exactly. He reads from the Book of the Dead. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So 1463, Calcimo Medici, he wants these texts for power and and to sort of, because the Medicis, they want a, a artistic, like, bougie society that they want, like, people to look back at at Italy in the re- period of the Renaissance and say like, wow, they were really going through a Renaissance at that time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, and, you know, so he's trying to figure out a way to like control. Isn't this around when like Machiavelli is writing? Yeah. Throw every... Back to the philosopher's exactly. episode, but he was trying to impress them with his own writing. And they're like, no, no, we want this Hellenistic mythical, uh, like religious yeah. figures writings. Medici's were wealthy and, uh, Machiavelli was, in politics, so you do the math. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to risk being tried <laughs> mm-hmm. for for math. So Medici, Calcimo Medici, he hires Ficino as a, his translator. And Ficino is like, okay, I will totally help you translate these texts because Ficino is really interested in astrology and God and something that is called the pristine theologica or theologica pristine which is like a pristine theology basically he's not quite satisfied with like the biblical story and he wants something that's a little bit more satisfying (laughs) a little bit sexier if you know what i mean so he was like so he's in it for the like basically a new bible because all of these people also thought that that hermes was a sort of around at the same time as Moses. Mm-hmm. So this is why they're allowed to go get these texts. Even though they're totally different canons, but they're like, yeah, sure. Well, they, yeah, they were the like... Judaic, he, Christian Judaic line. They were like, the they must have all been around at the same time. And um, this maybe it's like the Rashomon of the Bible. You know, like maybe it's another side to the story that that is more interesting. So, he, so Ficino's like now on board, right? So this is the Corpus Hermeticum. Yes. That they're translating. What was in it? The, what I just said, that it's it's the Hermetic dialogues that are saying that the Egyptian... Oh, that did it, and it had the spells, I guess. No, it didn't. It just... Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just a teaser. Exactly. It's a preview. It didn't have the spells. But, <laughs> it, but they thought that they might be able to figure it out, you know? Can I tell you about a different Hermetic text? This is the one that has the phrase, as above, so below. Ooh. Can I talk about one more person who's helping Ficino and then you say? All right. Just really quick. All right. He better be cool. He, well, 
there's Mirandola, who's Ficino's, he's Ficino's contemporary, and he wanted he wanted a way to incorporate the Kabbalah and Enochian ideals into like Christianity. So he that's what he thought was going to be in the text. What are Enochian ideals? So an the Enochian like language and Enochian angels, which might be redundant because I think Enochian, it's, it's sort of like, it's always pertaining to angels. It's, it's like the angels that are kind of the middle ground. Like they're the closest to humans. Okay. And they have their own language. I think um, he just thought there would be magic spells. Yeah. I think that's really what he's going. He's like, I want magic spells in addition to the Bible. Praying isn't really getting me anywhere. Well, he wanted the... the I want some rituals. He, Mirandola was like, I want Kabbalah. Like, he was like, basically like Madonna, you know? He well, was Kabbalah like... Kabbalah is, uh, for those who, who don't know, Jewish, like, it's Jewish, Jewish mysticism. mysticism. Yeah. Um, so, not so different from all the other occult practices we'll talk about just rooted in, like, Jewish theology. So he he thought that that's what was going to come out of the text. So we have someone who wants power, someone who wants Jewish mysticism, and someone who wants like a a pristine theology. They they're all like give give us the text. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But then what was in it was just how to make mummies come alive. Yeah. Well, not even how. Just <laughs> that they that it just that the Egyptians an allusion did. to another spell. It's like yeah. The, it's what's that Jack Black song? It's like the 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 tr the greatest song in the world or whatever. Yep. From Tenacious D. But then at the end, they're like, "This is not the song. This is just a tribute." It's just yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. the The Emerald Tablet, I think, Ooh. is probably the second most famous Hermetic text, which supposedly was carved on an emerald tablet, but nobody found the tablet. Oh But man. the text of this supposed tablet starts showing up. Um, I think in. Where is it? I think that it's like first found by like like in Arab. It's yeah, it shows up in Arabic sources, medieval Arabic sources. Dates to the late eighth century or early ninth century, and then was translated into Latin in the twelfth and thirteenth centuries. So you know, four hundred, five hundred years later, they translated to Latin. Um, but alchemists were like super excited about the emerald tablet, and it contains the like at, paraphrased as above, so below. Um, which I guess is the can be interpreted to both like as in heaven on earth or as on earth it is in hell. Um, but it's a cool phrase. Um, so anyway, that that has been like alchemists and we're like, we need the emerald tablet writings. <laughs> yeah, did anything, did the Medici get anything out of it then? Or they just like sank a bunch of resources into this? Well, and then they th had a cool library. It's more that like they sparked the interest, like Calcimo really sparked the interest. So we have, I talked about right, Mirandola and Ficino, and then we have Agrippa, who's Agrippa is probably the coolest one because Agrippa. Oh, I've heard about Agrippa. Yeah. <laughs> get a get Agrippa. Agrippa wrote, Oh, you drinking Looking satanic? Like cool, uh, occult beer. They do a spell to make the beer. From stone. Um, so okay, Agrippa, so they, they popularize it to the. People during the Renaissance, I suppose. Agrippa wrote was like, okay, I'm going to take the the sort of like motivations of Calcimo, Ficino, and Mirandola, and I'm going to write three books on the occult. Hmm. So one of them was natural, one of them was called physical, and one of them was called ment mental. It is mental. It is like 
about your mind. Natural was, it was basically folk magic. So it was like poor people magic, like, you know, rubbing, rubbing stones together and like putting a slug on them or something like that. And then putting it in your shoe for wealth, you know, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Physical was about alchemy and mental was about memory. So have you've heard of like the memory palaces, like the, the memories theaters? Yeah. So that was, that was another thing that was like in these. Just how to remember stuff. Yeah. Because the Roman, Roman soldiers, they knew like the names of everybody in their entire army. And they had, you know, they had so many people in there. I don't know how they had, they had 300. Yeah. It is thought <laughs> this is probably for another, when we do folk tales or something again. Um, but like, yeah, that the right Homer was like reciting the Odyssey and the Iliad from memory. Or if Homer wasn't a person, at least like there were epic poets around that time who could recite like, you know, hours and hours of like memorized texts. And a lot of texts were kept through like, you know, these massive fires and everything else because everybody just memorized everything and was really good at it. It was like a a skill. Um, Or when we read about the Vikings, right, they would recite these epic poems that lasted several days. They would create these rooms in their mind and I guess everything in the room you know, they'd be like, okay, that guy's name is John. So th- that's when I walk into the room, there's going to be a jacket. And then I'll remember like jacket, John. Yeah. That's right? just modern. That's still around today. If okay, you want to get good well, at memorizing. That's was in these texts. And that was what that mental, oh, that's that mental book was about. What a letdown. Well, this is, I mean, Agrippa was writing these books because that was one of the things in the hermetic texts, yeah. right? So he like sort of summed everything up. Okay, then we get on to John D. and Ed Kelly, which is, this is like a bit later around like Queen Elizabeth time, and Mary, Mary, Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah, I think this is where like John D. was like, I need, like it's not just enough to say how to do alchemy or like put a penny in your shoe or whatever. He was like, we got to step it up. Yeah. We got to give the people a show. We got <laughs> We gotta. I gotta step up my pussy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my magic pussy. When, yeah. So, so <laughs> I'll look it up. Yeah. So John D. <laughs> make he makes this prediction that, like, that Queen Elizabeth's sister is gonna die. He's like, she's gonna die in the state, right? This is before Queen Elizabeth is queen. Mm-hmm. And then he's put in jail for three years, and then she dies on that date. And Queen Whoa. Elizabeth becomes queen and, get you know, she gets him out of jail and she's like, you're going to be my royal astrologer slash astronomer. So he's, you know, he's in the court and they kind of like forget about him. And that's why he wanted to like step up his magic pussy because, you know, the, the court was like, yay, you did a great job. But then he kind of failed to do anything as cool as that. So he was like, I need... My own sort of astrologer, uh, like clairvoyant, like I need my own like Miss Cleo to, to sort of like be a divine intervener. He for was, me. by the way, this is around. This is like fifteen hundreds. Yes. So like everyone believes in witchcraft. It's still like a pretty wild time. So this is yeah. Like Mid fifteen hundreds. Oh, he's also a mathematical hype man. Yeah, he's <laughs> like in his Wikipedia. He's listed as a mathematician. 
Yeah, which was witchcraft. Like that was like a dark magic. And this is during a time where you could, this was the time where you could be tried for like doing math, which I'm like, could I go back to that time? Because this is like over a hundred years before Isaac Newton, right? So like calculus hasn't been invented. There's like pretty much they have like what the Arab mathematicians had come up with like a hundred years earlier, or uh, sorry, a thousand years earlier. It was just like, yeah, basic arithmetic and some like algebra. Yeah. As long as Aristotle did it, I think they were cool with it at this time basically because this is like at that time i think because also they're like coming out of the dark ages they're like no the height of like human civilization was like the hellenistic like you know civilization back in like 200 300 a.d so it's basically like you know it has to be in the writings of aristotle or it has to be like plato or it's kind of about it right i would just tell medicine too was like they're still just using texts from like thousands of years earlier as people will recall from our space episode yeah astronomers had to be very careful about their models of the solar system yes so john d meets ed kelly who is a convincing charlatan and ed kelly's you know he's a, a supposedly like a gifted psychic just showing people a picture of and john d yeah john he's d got a sick pointy beard john d is like Ed Kelly, you're the man that I've been looking for. And Ed Kelly, Kelly's like, I know, I predicted it. Do you know, do you know the name of John D's uh, spouse? No. Jane D. Jane D, that's all. <laughs> Stupid. Sorry. John. At least it's just like I couldn't think of a funnier name for his yeah. wife than Jane. Okay. Jane. Yeah. So they built this like crystal grid it's like an early it's like the earliest ouija board basically like a it's like a crystal grid with like an obsidian mirror that you could see the um yeah it sounds fancy as hell yeah so there's like this like a sigil and you would basically see the enochian like words backwards and then or um Kelly would see them backwards. John D would be like the master of ceremonies. He like open the circle and whatnot. And then, yeah, Ed would like see the stuff and then he would like write it down later. So he would see it backwards in this like obsidian mirror. This, by the way, this yeah. is also how the Book of Mormon was written. Uh, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> it was. It was like a guy behind a curtain reading aloud like stuff from two like gold plates. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they yeah, they received all kinds of messages. And they wrote about this in their journals. This is how you know. They received all kinds of messages from like divine, amazing things to like really scary things like the uh, the apocalypse, right? And then they also received some, you know, when they were in trouble. Because, yeah, there's a lot of like, a lot of like shuffling around, you know, people like there were like, there was like Pope for the fifth or whatever. <laughs> and he was like, all right, you guys need to come help me out. And then they would like go try and help him. And he was like, you're heretics, like get out of here. And they'd like talk to the angels and they'd be like, what do, what do we do? And the angels were like, um, yeah, you guys are going to have to wife swap. That's... <laughs> They really did get a message that they had to wife swap, and uh, that sort of started the their uh, split. Andrew Miller on uh, Instagram talking <laughs> about the real. Temple of Astarte. 
Yeah. To, and, and using mirrors Gnostic to angels and Gnostic demons. Demons. But yeah, a temple of Astarte and other. It's like a, a famous occult group. Yeah. There's even it, okay in the craft. You know, they ha- you you like have to look in the mirror. Yeah. A lot of it is like you look in the mirror and you see like you see who you're trying to talk to. Um, it, and they came up with or they not translated. They transcribed the Enochian language. Okay. So they they got these letters. They got them in like backwards, and then they. So it's probably just like some encoded Latin or something. Yep, exactly. Yeah, there's an Enochian translator. If you want to like know how to say what your name is, yeah, and we got to like find out our Enochian names. It's just your name backwards. So did anything? I mean, obviously, like there wasn't like a lasting movement or anything that came out of this. Is this because like the church was like pissed off about it? Well, they they start, they split up basically. They were stronger together, and then uh, it's like Salino and Barnes. Yeah, Ed Kelly slept with <laughs> with Jane D, and that you know that kind of put a wedge between them. Mm. And they they you know they kind of died, and they I think it's like they were, one of writings. them was like hung, and one of them was yeah. died in like abject po- poverty, as you do. Oh, I wanted to say. Probably not John D. Right? He was. Pro- he probably like came out okay in the end. His other title, right, aside from like right, occultist and mathematician, is he was an antiquarian, which is just someone awesome. who collects old stuff. Yeah, which is an awesome title. Um, so he had one of the largest libraries, like in in all of like because it was like the the British Empire or whatever. I guess they weren't an empire at that point, but yeah, in all of like oh, England, he had one of the largest libraries. He- coined the term british empire because he would like when he was you know telling talking to queen elizabeth he was like your empire is gonna be sick like the british and she was like what are you talking about and he's like we're gonna conquer like most of the world at various points yeah he will because he knew how to hype people up from his math mathematical hyping he was like you know he's like okay i know how to hype up uh, some subtraction let me do the same for you okay Queen Liz. <laughs> yeah. So then, like, a little bit after this, Isaac Kazaban dates the Hermetic text, and he's like, oh, these are way after Moses. <laughs> so then <laughs> he's like, oh, snap. He, the, Yeah, this guy had no idea who Moses... He never knew him, so... Yeah, because I think it. even then they realized, like, right, clearly Moses had to come, like, several hundred years before Jesus, so at least, like... They probably thought 500, you know, BCE or something like that, right? If, but like, you know, especially if, yeah, Moses escaped from the Egyptians or whatever. So, yeah. And then he was like, wait, the Hermetic, these date to just like, you know, what do we say, 300, maybe like 800 yeah. uh, AD. So he was like, yeah, these are like several thousand years <laughs> too, too recent. Yeah. So he's like, actually, if y'all are saying that there's like a pristine theology, you're wrong. Oh, you so are did that kind of kill it off? Almost. The last person who was like, who just like doubled down, he was like, I don't care. And he was just basically like, I'm going to put it all out there right before I'm burned at the stake, was the Nolan Giordano Bruno. Yeah, and that's spelled with a G. What do you mean he's a Nolan? They called him the Nolan because he was from Nolan. Like New Orleans? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Italy. Like no, and N O L A N. Oh, okay. Yeah, they said they call him the Nolan, which I think is cool. 
It's, yeah, and his name was Giordano. I thought he was just a really pompous guy named Nolan. I mean, that too. He was pretty yeah, pompous. Like we know some talented Nolans. We do. <laughs> I'm the Nolan. Okay, so what did he do? He he revived John Dee's writings? Well, he was really interested in the art of memory. He believed in the plurality of worlds, which was like the as above, so below sort of yeah. vibes. All right, all right. He's right? down with the Emerald Tablet. Okay. Yep. <laughs> he believed that Jesus was just a man, and he was not afraid to tell people that. As do modern historical scholars. He was like the occult, occult um, practices has nothing to do with Catholicism or Christianity. But also he was like, I'm really into the occult. And he was, you know, so he was burned. But he, he put all this stuff out there and he was, he was Wait, a he real... He was burned at the stake or just excommunicated? He was burned. Or... No, he was burned at the stake. And wow. his last like words... I or... didn't know the Italians did that. All right. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty pissed. <laughs> he Catholics, was like... Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was, he was, well, it's because he was stupid and he liked to travel too. That was like, you know, when you have ideas like this, you should kind of just stay in like, I don't know, Switzerland or something like that. But he liked to travel, so he was caught. Okay. No, as yeah. we'll see, the Swiss and Germans also into occultism, but also pretty Catholic. Yeah, but they, they don't really like to burn. They, they're they like into chocolate and stuff like that. Okay, so this yeah. is this kind of sums up but his, English I, Enlightenment. Yeah, well, his, I guess Italian and English Enlightenment. His, his last like vibe that he put out there, he was like, you know what? My ideas are scarier to you than you burning me are to me. So he was basically like, my ideas that like the occult is this like other magic with a K this other than Christianity. Like that is a scary idea. And I've like put it out there in the world and it's going to live on. You're going to kill me. I'm just like one person. And yeah, so I think that's cool. He I was, guess. Like, I think you. the church was like, okay, we'll see about that. Yeah, but <laughs> he, he was, was like, right. Wait, though. I prefer not to be burned. <laughs> he um. was right. Well, they, you know, they were like, well, you were can't. And he's like, he was like, I'm keeping the... He's like, maybe the Jesus is just a man, but I'm keeping the plurality. I do think the church throughout this time is very good at clamping down on dissent, right? And this is even during, like, the Protestant, like, Reformation and the schism and all of that stuff, too. The church is very good at keeping people from, like, talking up the occult. Yeah, and then come, like, the witch trials. There can be no other spiritual practices. Well, right. so that very much includes the witch trials, right? A virgin lit a the black flame candle and oh and um Yeah, the Nolan came back. The Nolan. Nolan's back. We'll have to get into that. Yeah. Before we get to three hundred years though, in the future. We've yeah. Got, we've got a timeline here. Um <laughs> so we're gonna talk about late late sixteen hundreds. So in the, the vein of the church prosecuting the occult. Um the uh oh it's a hocus pocus reference. Uh-huh. Well, you're the one who's seen all the witch movies, I believe. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of witchcraft, let's first define witchcraft, right? Because how is witchcraft different from the occult? Well, I feel like you, I feel like this is the leading question and you know the answer. So the the key is, it is, uh, it is specifically it's magical skills and abilities uh, exercised can be by solitary practitioners or groups. So it's a, it is a broad term, but the idea is that it's like a religious divinatory or medicinal role. Um, and it's 
Yeah. So in, in terms of like the occult, it doesn't necessarily revolve around texts. It's more like magical practices and spells. Yeah. It's more like that physical, the physical book that, um, or the, sorry, the natural book that, uh, yeah. Agrippa wrote like it's yeah yeah so the the Salem witch trials weren't the only witch trials there were Boston witch trials there were witch trials kind of going on uh around the world I we actually right but, but per, well we know like in Europe they'd kind of like gotten past it by the 1600s and it, it was just in like backwaters and outskirts like the new like, well, it, right, it wasn't the United States. It was, like, in the colonies or whatever. Mm. And particularly, like, the Puritans, because they were so, like, out there. What about in their... France? There were a bunch of witch trials in France. Earlier. Not in the late 1600s. Uh, if they were in France, they were, I think, much earlier, probably in the 1500s, around the time of John Dee. Yeah, I suppose I, we should say that. As the Salem witch trials are by no means, like, really unique, that they, like, uh, burned and imprisoned... Or well, I guess they hung them. They didn't burn them. They hung or like imprisoned a bunch of women and some men, um, but they happened so late, uh, and so even like five years after the Salem witch trials, everybody felt very bad about it, and the people who had like kind of led the the trials were like trying to whitewash and like write themselves out of the history of it and like claiming they had nothing to do with it. Um, so it's it's regarded as I guess it's like a pivotal part of American history. Um, because it's when scholars have said it's like when the theocracy, uh, the theocracy shattered upon, upon <laughs> rock is what they've said. Um, but yeah, it's a series, the witch trials are a series of hangings and prosecutions of people accused of witchcraft in colonial Massachusetts, um, in 16, from February 1692 to May 1693. So more than 200 people were accused. 30 were found guilty, 19 of whom were executed by hanging which includes 14 women and five men. There's also like the torture. And then Giles Corey was pressed to death, which basically he was crushed by like putting and that's, rocks on that's top that's of And that's when people were like, oh, what have we done? Because <laughs> he was like old, right? And they didn't really kill him 100. He and was then, like 81 years old. And then they like, they were they like, he's him. not dead. Let's keep killing. And then they were, they like saw themselves and they were like, what have it's we done? It's because he refused to enter a plea because he was like, this is a sham. Um, and you're like, if I go to trial, you're just going to convict me anyway. So I refused to enter a plea. So like, you can't have a trial. And they're like, you have to enter a plea. And he's like, nope. And they're like, we're going to pile rocks on you until you do. And so he did it for two days and then he died. Yeah. And then they were like, they, they looked in a mirror and they were like, oh no. What I also found interesting is that, right? So like 19 were executed and then fi at least five people died in jail because being in jail like sucked so yeah. much back then. Uh, Especially Puritan jail. It was jail. also really dangerous. Yeah, Puritan jail. Oh, and no, what, what almost was a turning point, it wasn't Giles Corey, the guy who was crushed to death. They executed the former like town minister. <laughs> this, they had, so... It's it's the the whole like background story too is really funny. So like the Puritans in like Salem were regarded as like a bunch of real assholes. So like in historical texts at the time, like neighboring villages are like, yeah, those quarrelsome like Salemites, like they're real jerks. Yeah. Like they would always like argue over like pasture land. There are all these like family feuds happening. And they think that's what actually started the witch trials, is that these little girls accused like a housekeeper and a slave and like some other person from another like prominent family. The enslaved person, Taituba was her name, pled guilty. And if you pled guilty, you could then like ask forgiveness and be re reintegrated back to society. 
Yeah, but they like make you wear a scarlet, a scarlet letter. <laughs> I don't think things could get much worse than being an enslaved person. So I think yeah. she was okay with it. Um, no, and then you know, even just two to three years after the witch trials, then people, you know, were were asking forgiveness. It finally got uh, an end was put to it because apparently like, the governor was just like over in London during this time, and then like he like got back and heard about it, and he just like immediately pardoned everybody. And he was like, what the fuck are you guys? Yeah. yeah he was just like disappointed. Uh, and so then uh, one of the little girls who started the whole hysteria when she grew up, she got to join the church and she had to like ask forgiveness. You know, it was like 10 years later or something. And then the government, even back then in like the early 1700s, paid out reparations to like the families of people that they had killed. Yeah, the crucible. It's it's a great like play, but it's also such a good movie because at the end, the the there's like a guy and he's like he's like they're like what do you want and he's like give me my name, just because like yeah he was like because your name was just like ruined and that was everything and so you know he's like I don't care that I'm alive like give me my name and that's like how it ends. Spoiler alert. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, like uh. Oh were, yeah, they're I was I was there uh yeah, I think Burroughs was the name of the uh minister that they also hung. Um so they had gone through like multiple ministers because you had to pay. Like the Puritans would you'd hire like a traveling like I guess Protestant minister to come like be the minister of your village. And so the Puritans hired someone and then didn't pay them. And so <gasps> the guy like left after like two years. He was like, God what the fuck? And then it happened multiple times. And then so whoever their minister was in 1692 was a real jerk and apparently stoked tensions even worse in the community. And then he kind of led the the initial like having a trial and convening like a. Oh, he was like, let's get exciting because the Puritans were people that like the British were like, you guys are too uptight. Like, Mm. so can you imagine they were probably he was like, oh, my goodness, you all are so such like white bread. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get exciting. Let's get dirty. Yeah. So. Oh, but also people think that maybe there was like some LSD that they were eating that was like um, some mold. Yeah, there are a bunch that's of a theory. That's a theory. There's various theories. I think the most common belief, though, is it's just a, a mass hysteria. Yeah. And it's just. Mass hysteria coupled with the Puritans also already being like kind of super religious and like kind of out in the backwater. Like they were Salem on the edge. Not, Salem was not Boston. It was kind of out there. I mean, Boston's no. Yeah. And Bo- <laughs> I mean, Boston. His Boston's. Yeah. What if Boston's no Britain? So they've got Harvard. Ergot. That's it. Ergot infected rye. Thank you, Andrew Miller. Yes. Um, yeah, there there are theories that maybe they were on drugs, but given that the hysteria started with these like little girls like just claiming it, it might just be that they wanted attention, and then like it took having a kind of an asshole priest and adults who should have known better, who then had trials on it. They were like, maybe we'll listen to them. Well, so the key piece of evidence they would accept is supposedly you could see the figure of the person who was haunting you or afflicting you. Uh, and so then that's how you would like claim that that was the person responsible who was the witch. But they were like, wait, couldn't the devil just take the form of anyone? Perhaps we're being led astray. Gag. And then someone else was like, no, no, the devil can only take your form if you give him permission. So clearly it consent. is these people. Yeah. Consent you have the consent mandatory. to let the devil impersonate you. 
And so that's what they, they were like, yeah, so definitely we can like convict these people. And so a lot of even reasonable people at the time were like, that's, that's crazy. No, don't. Like the governor, who then finally was like, stop doing this. The next group I want to talk about is the Illuminati. Yes, and the, the Hermetic Order, we'll right? Get the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn is actually much later. Okay, so ta- tell me about the Illuminati. I didn't know that it was an actual group. I thought it was just like Beyonce. Yeah, and um, that's what I thought too. It was Beyonce and just like a meme. But no, and, it's and a the real snake, group. The like snake eye guy, that like boy, that that like boy band guy who people are like he's he has two eyelids. Justin Bieber. I don't know if Justin the, Bieber had snake eyes. Well, if right. there's a there's a a picture I can show. So there's a theory. I mean, there's like common memes, and like these are more just paranoid delusions. I wouldn't necessarily call them a cult. That like the Illuminati and other groups behind the scenes are manipulating but like powerful people around the world are manipulating things to bring about a new global fascist government called the new world order we're going to kind of skip all that we'll just do a conspiracies episode because that'll be more fun this is a cult it's got to be mystical the illuminati what's so funny is that they are anti-mystical it's totally not fair that the illuminati are considered an occult organization so historically the name refers to the bavarian illuminati who were an Enlightenment-era secret society founded in Bavaria, which is today part of Germany, on May 1st, 1776. So 1776 is the year that the Declaration of Independence was signed. Um, So at this time in Bavaria, the society, their goals were to oppose superstition, (laughs) oppose, they call it obscuritanism. Yes, obscuritanism, which is, I guess, uh, occultism. Uh, and oppose religious influence over public life and abuses of state power. In their general statutes, they wrote, the order of the day is to put an end to the machinations of the purveyors of injustice to control them without dominating them. So the Illuminati are kind of like the Freemasons in that it's a secret society uh, of, like, educated people, but they, the Illuminati explicitly were like, we want reason to prevail we don't want the church or like occult stuff to have like a role in public life. Ooh, Andrew Miller said that Robert Anton Wilson popularized that like Beyonce global. Oh. Yes. Oh, thank you. All right. And his Illuminatus trilogy. All Ooh. right. Yeah. We're going to have to, we'll have to like schedule a, a conspiracies episode. Yes. That should be great. And we'll, we'll consult Andrew Miller for it. We'll conspire to do <laughs> an episode on conspiracies. And so they were outlawed by the elector of Bavaria, basically the president of Bavaria, with the encouragement of the Catholic Church in 1784, 1785, 1787, and 1790. I don't know why they had to keep doing it, but they were outlawed a bunch in a bunch of different laws. So then they were, in subsequent years, they were vilified by conservative and religious critics who claimed that the Illuminati continued underground and were responsible for the French Revolution. Yeah, really unfair to the Illuminati. Okay, so they are not a cult. No, they're not either. <laughs> the Salem not witches weren't really a cult, nor the Illuminati. So that gets us to late 1700s. So can, can, can I have some people that are a cult? You've, you've got Crowley coming up, right? I do. You have Helena. Helena Blavatsky. Did she? Helena, Wait, was Helena. her middle name really Petrovna? Yeah, Helena Petrovna Shout Blavatsky. out Blaine. Um, Blaine's drag persona. So let me talk about, because Blavatsky precedes and influences Crowley. Yes, So let's true. talk about her real quick, and then we'll go to Crowley, who's, he's the big dog. The big in dog. In the world of the occult. So, so Blavatsky is a Russian, 
Uh, Wait, you don't say. Yes, known as Madame Blavatsky. Uh, oh, she's a, but she was a Ukrainian. Oh, I wonder if. Kitchy's... But this is before you know Ukraine yeah. broke off from Russia. Anyway, she co-founded the Theosophical Society in 1875. So she gained an international following as a leading theoretician of Theosophy. So Theosophy is awesome because it it actually is. If you've seen the Marvel Comics movie. Or read the comic Doctor Strange. Oh. That is theosophy. So it's like based in Tibet. It's by practicing like special movements that look a lot like Tai Chi. Uh, you can generate like energy currents and then control like natural elements with it. It's like the last airbender. Yeah. She basically just like had this kind of comic book comic book view of the world that was she's, the last airbender. She's also a little little bit racist. Yeah. So was everybody back. <laughs> what is that? Avenue Q? We're oh, a yeah. A little bit racist. She, well, yeah, because she, she was getting all this, like, information from around the world, and she oh. was like, I deserve it. So, yeah, she was born into money, and she traveled the world. Um, so, yeah, what is it? Theosophy teaches that there's an ancient and secretive brotherhood of spiritual adepts known as the Masters, who, although found across the world, are centered in Tibet. They're, they're alleged live by Blavatsky to have cultivated great wisdom and supernatural powers. And theosophists were disseminating their teachings. And the masters are attempting to revive knowledge of an ancient religion once found across the world, which will come to eclipse the existing world religions. However, they, they claim that they're not teaching a religion. It's the existence of a single divine absolute. Um, and then just some more stuff, but basically, yeah, it involves just like doing kind of magical dance moves <laughs> to yeah. like gain power. It's it's uh, but that she traveled to New York um, and like spread this and gained like follow a, a somewhat of a following, you know, as much as you could in the days before TikTok. She like people were into her. She was a gram dancer of the and a gram dancer yeah. of the of the of 1875. Yeah, so she didn't hit it, like, huge, though. What about the Golden Dawn? Because that's before Crowley as well. A little bit, but he, like, brought them to their greatest heights. Mm, mm, not so, really. They right. didn't like him very uh, much. So not much after, right? So that's 1875, yeah. so 1883. And this is all kind of regarded as, like, the... I don't know what... The pre-spiritualism movement? The pre-spiritualism movement, or there's the... I forget there's a name for it, like the fin de cycle or something. Oh, it's yeah, the, the end of the, the world, yeah. yeah. Which so they is believe like world, the world weariness, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I suppose this is dur during sort of like the Belle Epoque like era. That's like very early 1900s, pre-World War One. But anyway, it's pre-World War One, so all these people are, yeah, interested in spiritualism and the occult. So, yeah, then there's the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which yeah. is not so different from theosophy, but, like, yeah, it was basically some one mason, like, came up with a cool code and then wrote a bunch of, like, texts for, like, here's like how you. we could do our own secret it's society. Like <laughs> and then he gave it to some other masons, and they, like, one guy was bored with it, but he passed it on to some friends, and they, like, decoded it. And they were like, this is cool. We should make a secret society. And then they did. And so they're 
the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn is not so different from the Freemasons in that they have a bunch of rituals. It's like Scientology, too, because you it, have to... There's yeah. like levels. But there's a bunch of levels. That's kind of what yeah. they came up with. It's like there's a big bureaucracy with different levels. And they'll they'll be like, you can't know the magic of this level mm -hmm. until you like. Yeah. And so we like you and more. they had a bunch of rituals you, you pay do. Us. But uh, unlike the Masons, they admitted women. So the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was egalitarian for the, really? for the time. Yeah. You really? couldn't vote, but you could join the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Sweet. All right, so, but then we... everything changed. <laughs> okay, so because we can talk about Edward, Edward, <laughs> Edward Alec. Mm -hmm. I forget. Yeah, um, his his last name wasn't Crowley, but I forget what his original last name was. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Edward Alec <laughs> was born. To, he was born um, to this like very wealthy family that. It, they had a distillery. I guess his his grandfather had a distillery, but like his parents were uh, Quakers or something like that. They were like very religious, so they didn't. They felt bad about inheriting their fortune from selling alcohol. Yeah, they I didn't want to like spend any of that money because it was dirty and tainted. So when his grandfather was like the only fun person in the family, his grandfather died, and he started to rebel, and he was like punished, and he wasn't allowed to have fun. And his mom, like, could not take him. So she sent him to live with his uncle. His mother referred to him as the beast. Wait, not yet, though. Not yet. Oh. Not yet. He was, she was just like, you're being bad. Go live with your uncle. Okay. And it, his uncle was like, woohoo, let's, like, listen to, yeah, to, like, Motley Crue and stuff like that and, like, smoke cigarettes. And he taught him, like, how to masturbate, I think. So then... Alec went to go stay with his mom for like the summer and he slept with her servant and that and she, and the mom was like that's when she started calling him the beast mm. and she was like you've ruined this servant's life now she's gonna have to resort to prostitution because I can't employ her anymore <laughs> which I find yeah was he I guess I've only seen pictures of him in like you know when he was older and more famous but he looks like a Sort of like Winston Churchill. Sort of has like a a, a bald dude with like not great skin. Uh, well, he was a heroin addict later in life, so let's end. Uh, yeah, so let's okay, probably maybe was he was on. better. He was better looking as a as a young man. Yeah. So he he went to college. He did not finish college, but he like was just like chilling there. He learned enough. Yeah. He was he was like in these streets. He decided to change his name to Alistair because of Percy Bysshe Shelley has a mm. poem called Alistair. We, we will talk about Percy Bysshe Shelley by the end of this month. He's like BFF with Lord Byron. Yeah, famous gothic. Spooky, spooky uh, guy. Writer and poet. Spooky, cool, vegan. <laughs> yeah. So he changed his name to Alistair, and then his last name is pronounced Crowley because it's supposed to rhyme with holy. A lot of people say Crowley, but it's wrong. Yeah, including Ozzy Osbourne in the song Mr. Crowley. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> just, yeah. Jimmy Page, apparently, I, f I found this out earlier today. Jimmy Page was a big fan as well from Led Zeppelin and bought uh, Crowley's like childhood home. Yeah, yeah. He had many, oh, his childhood. I was like, he had many homes like later, later in life. So, he, yeah. He wanted really, the one where he slept with the servant girl. <laughs> it's really coming to his, into his own. He studied 
Rosicrucianism, mm, right? Yeah. Which is... I think just another secret society. Yeah, it's basically like Wiccanism without the magic. It's, yeah, it's not a magical practice. It's like, it sounds to me a little cult, cultish, a little bit like AA, which no shade to AA. Yeah. But like, uh, not a so sub rose or under the rose is referred to like secret it means secret like in latin yeah. for a long time and so there's the umberto echo book that was very famous before the da vinci code i think the da vinci code might also involve like rosicrucians and yeah. then umberto echo bef before dan brown wrote this book like the sign of the rose which is also about this like kind of new world order secret society Yes, although they have a ton of YouTube videos. They have their own, so they're not that secret because there's like, they have a YouTube channel with like over 300 like videos on it. So you can educate yourself on there if you would like to know more about them. Oh. Yes, so he's... <laughs> Andrew Miller has details on the house, Ooh. by the, the way. Berkshire the Berkshire house on Lake Loch Ness. He did attempt to summon a bunch of demons, I believe, on Lake Loch Ness. Um, yes which I guess was called the Abramelin operation. He's like, I'm the beast. I want to see the monster. Come on, come on, show yourself to me. Yeah. So, right. So at home, he only had, you know, when he was growing up, he only had the Bible. So he was like, oh my God, all these books. And he's like reading, he's doing meditation. He's, sm he's smoking weed. He's doing heroin. They were like the same schedule drug at that time. <laughs> he had all these these sort of like out of body experiences. He discovered he was bi and he was he was dating the captain of the drama club. Nice. And he was like at the state of like climax, there's a magic. And so he called it like sex magic. But it's like one word. It's like sex magic. And he was like, we're going to do sex magic together. I'm going to get the leading role in the school play. Yeah. Um, and, you know. So like that was like his vibe, right? And then he had a chem he had his own personal chemist and his chemist was like I I know this uh society that I think you'd be It sounds like um yeah, fear and loathing. It's it's like, a, as yeah. your as your attorney, I as your like yeah. chemist, I advise you to take two of these. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's like I know a secret society that you would just you would love. And so that's how he's introduced to the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, and he shows up for his like first day because he's still afraid that his family is going to find out that he's like doing all this crazy shit. So he goes there in disguise, and he has like the glasses with the the mustache, you know, mm -hmm. the gaucho marks, like the gaucho marks. <laughs> gaucho marks. Yeah, I call them gaucho marks. Uh, yes, yes. The, the Mexican <laughs> gaucho marks. Yeah, so he's got that on, and he's like. My name is like Count Chocula, you know, and they're like, okay, dude. He goes in and he's, you know, he's like in disguise and that kind of, he's, you know, that's already like a little bit weird for them. And there's kind of like this, there's like a schism in the society. So there's like the acting president and then like the real president and the real president is like in Paris and like the acting president is in England and the real president likes him. And everyone else oh. hates him. So the president likes him. He gets into the golden order. He does. But everybody else hates him because he's getting promoted to like the higher ranks in it. And people are like this this clown who comes in with like a mustache and everything. Um, and he and they're also like he's in this for dark magic. He wants to learn th this for like 
evil spells, not good. So stop promoting him. Because every time he would get, get promoted. Maybe they thought he was like a famous person if he kept coming in in disguise. They're like, he could be like the prince, <laughs> you know? And that's why we should like definitely promote him. Well, they, they go straight to spy. They're like, he's a spy for someone. That's, you know, what's going on mm. when you, yeah. Because it was just like, obviously, it was like he was bald and yeah. And he had like a crazy mustache that was like, did not match his eyebrows or something like that. Like really long story short, he's expelled from the Golden Dawn uh, because he tries to take over the headquarters and William Butler Yates has like a magic battle with him where he summons a vampire to go... I swear, this is like in his biographer like wrote about this. Yeah, William Butler Yates like summoned a vampire to like attack him and that like got him to go away but yeah he tried to take over their their embassy because they like wouldn't promote him and so he marries this lady named rose and she she was like a pedestrian she didn't know anything about magic but they were living in egypt at the time <laughs> she was a pedestrian yeah she was like she was a, a the, muggle crossing the street she, she, yeah, she was just like a basic, a basic Betty. They were living in Egypt and she kept having these visions and she was like, yeah, this, uh, God named, uh, Horace keeps coming to like, talk to me and tell me things. Yeah. And, uh, Crowley was like, no way. But he was like, also, I've never told you the name of like any gods or anything. So how do you know that name? So that she, he was like, we'll go to the Egypt museum and you're going to point to the God that's been talking to you. And she found this, this still, it's called still 666. That was like the catalog number of it. And it was of like Horus and the, I don't know, the three like Horus, Osiris, right? Thoth, like mm -hmm. the major, but she was like, the eye of Horus is like the thing that's contacting me. So that's when he decided to make his own religion based around those gods, those like deities. And Rose became his, basically any woman that was sort of like his divine intervener that was called like his scarlet lady because, mm -hmm. you know, he eventually like divorced Rose because she kept having miscarriages and uh, he would, you know, he would like start dating different women and they would be like, he would always have like a scarlet lady who would be like his divine intervener. Yeah, that's that's like he started his religion called Thelema, right? The pivotal moment in founding Thelema was when he wrote the book of the law. Yes, which has to do with the, what is it, the still, it's like the still of truth or something like that, which is the, the 666 still. And that's what the book of the law is like based on that. And a lot of their, the stuff that him and Rose did together, like he would, they would have like sex magic and um, she would like say her visions to him. He had, he, there's a very cool quotation where he said, he said, you know, cause he would have like these near death experiences. And he said, I was in the death struggle with the self. God and Satan fought for my soul. God conquered. Now I have only one doubt left, which one of the twain was God. So like that's so cool. It's so metal. Do you know about Thelema? Do you have any like? I do know about. Okay, Thelema. can you tell me about? I it? have a a quick two minute summary of the book of the book of law. Okay. It's it distills down to three main elements, 
And so this one is like very controversial, people thought, which was, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And so people were like, oh, does that mean you can do whatever you want with like no moral like guidance or religious guidance or whatever? That's like, right, like very like Nietzschean or whatever, like, and uh, apparently that's not, that's a misinterpretation of it. It's like, it sort of means that, but it really means you're supposed to find your true purpose and then do it. Do it that well really means like live out your destiny. So like by practicing Salama and whatever other practices, you can realize what you're meant to do and then you should do it. Amazing. Um, I love it. Then he does. The second is love is the law. Oh, okay. Love Think- under will. Plot so I, the nature of the law of Thalema is love, but love is subsidiary to finding and manifesting your authentic purpose or mission. So sex magic. And then <laughs> the third one, uh, this is great. It's, every man and every woman is a star. Ah, this is like drag race. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? It's Yo like, wanna. <laughs> exactly. Everyone's a star. It sounds like a pop song. No, but the, the idea is that persons doing their wills are like stars in the universe, occupying a time and position in space, yet distinctly individual and having independent nature, largely without undue conflict with other stars. <gasps> so the idea is that your true will should like, it should fit into like a celestial, like heavenly, like orderly purpose that won't bring you into conflict with others. So it's not that crazy, although apparently like when you boil it down or phrase it like that, but apparently the book of the book of the law is, is a wild read. Um, so we'll have to go through it at some point. So, yeah. And then the other like neat thing that the Lama brought up was the idea of these eons of like human civilization. So there's the eon of Horus is like, I think what we're currently in, which is funny because that's just also what his wife thought of. Um, yeah. So Horus is the crowned and conquering child as distinguished from the earlier eon of Isis, the mother goddess. And another, uh, prior to that, the Eon of Osiris, which is like the Bronze Age. Oh. So like kind of prehistory, I guess. Um, She's like, and then the Eon of Aquarius. Yeah. And so the <laughs> adherents are known as Thelemites, and they emphasize the practice of magic with a K, which is the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with will. So that kind of gets to your very initial definition of the occult, and it shows up in Satanism, which we'll get to, which oh. is kind of latter half of the 20th century. But that idea of a bunch of practices to make reality conform to your will has now become sort of what a lot of modern occultism is based around. All right. So that's your summary of Thelema. What else you got Amazing. for Crowley? Then he did a bunch of like big publicity stunts and stuff, right? And he wrote like a ton. Yeah, he did a lot of heroin. And he was kind of going crazy. But surprisingly productive. <laughs> yeah, he was He was really productive. I mean, it wasn't publicity stunts. He just was like, no, I'm going to die. I didn't die. I moved. Um, yeah, and uh, he then, like, at the very end of his, like, his last, like, chunk, his last thelemite of life, he married, this, this woman, like, came up to him after, like, a speech or something, and she's like, yeah, I've read your books and I, I want to have your child. And he was like, okay. Like he was like, yes. And she got him off of heroin and they had a a child Mm. and he really loved the child. And he was like, you know what? The purpose of life is like to be happy and, and have a family and like love your family. And then he, he died. 
Oh, by the way, I was wrong with the the eon of of Horus is not the current age. It's the age that that Crowley was going to bring about right. as the new prophet of that age. So we were moving from the age of uh, what I, Osiris Isis? or oh age Isis. of Isis into the age of Horus. Yeah. Um, and he was the guy who was going to do Horus it. Horus is the eye. Yeah. Um, or Horus has like there's the eye of Horus that he like sends around. Was he a spy? Like in We'll never know. Like before World War II, wasn't that like a common theory? Because he would or go was it World War One, I, I guess. He, he would go spy. to people when he was like bored and he would beg them. He would be like, Please can I be a spy? And they were like, No. So that's I guess that's why that's a theory. And he like disguises he also was the first like he was a mountaineer and him and like his bros were like the first like documented expedition expedition to like kate to summit k2 Mm. yeah Uh, so he you know he had fun and at the very end of his life he you know he he did have a loving family and he was like that's the real purpose and then he died oh okay yeah yeah prolific author of poetry novels and occult literature yeah he wrote i love also that he he you know because he had like a rival with Yeats and Yeats was like, your poetry is trash. <laughs> he was like, I hate your poems. Uh, I'm sending a vampire to, to suck your blood. Oh yeah. And, and so the Lama was the religion, the esoteric order that practiced the Lama was it's a, and then a little triangle with dots and then a, which is a, a, I don't know how to pronounce it. I swear. It's A-A. Oh, you don't pronounce the little triangle. That's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's AA. It's the <laughs> yeah. So it's Theravada Buddhism with Vedantic yoga and ceremonial magic. Yeah, sounds like what my mom does. And if Chelsea, are you still listening? Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, we should talk about so so Crowley did use a little bit. He used Ouija boards in passing. Yeah, Rose was very into Ouija boards for communing with like spirits. Yeah. So we should talk real quick about because like Ouija board is probably most people's like actual like where you encountered the occult in your in your life or when you were growing when you were a kid yes they were patented in 1891 yeah because spiritualism was making a resurgence with the fox sisters and like we said it was a lot it really is just like a less you know it's a consumer version of john d's original like awesome obsidian mirror board with like the crystals and everything yeah we we know some Fox sisters. <laughs> mm-hmm. We do know some Fox. We sisters. do, but the Fox sisters they basically started it in, Ro- in the spiritualism movement in Rochester. They like they would communicate with spirits in their house by the spirits would like knock, and mm-hmm. then they would knock back. And, and it was really just one of the other sisters knocking. It was like it was them like cracking their knuckles, I think. Oh. But, they, you know, th- this turned into, like, parlor entertainment. Like, people would come over. They'd be like, want to have a seance tonight? And they'd, like, Yeah, so you it was know. commercialized by Elijah Bond yes. in 1890. And then was regarded as an innocent parlor game. And then, you know who, like, made it more popular for spiritualism? Who? It was a spiritualist named Pearl Coran. So that during World War I. Uh, and Pearl Coran is, like, Amazing because she communed with a long dead pilgrim woman, I think, named Patience Worth. Uh, and so, like, through the voice and guidance of Patience Worth, she wrote like several novels and like letters and and poetry and prose, uh, which she claimed were delivered through channeling the spirit of Patience Worth. 
That's like the true ghostwriter, huh? Yeah. What's really great about it, though, is that as like skeptics at the time pointed out, they're like, so Patience Worth supposedly was born in England and then like crossed the Atlantic and to like live in some colony in the Americas. And she lived from 1649 to 1694. But one of the novels is set like in the Victorian era, which is like, right, like, you know, late 1800s or whatever. So people were like, wait, how did the ghost of this pilgrim write a novel that takes place 200 years later? Time travel. I guess so. Yeah. Anything is possible. Yeah. Well, whatever it takes to, you know, get motivated to write. Anyway, so Pearl Coram popularized the Ouija, the Ouija board. board. And then um, science is actually considered to be a real phenomenon. There's like they've studied it in a lab controlled setting. Not the whole spiritualism talking to the dead, but like that the fact that the board, like the tabla, right? The tabla feels like it moves by itself. The planchette. Oh, the planchette. Yeah, right. Is uh, It's called the, yeah, the idiomotor response. Yeah. Michael Faraday first described this effect in 1853 while investigating table turning, which is when you hold onto a table with a group of people and it rotates yeah. and then stops on a certain letter. It's Wheel of Fortune, basically, but Ouija board. Um, but they've done studies in the lab and like people like the subjects like involuntarily move the planchette. They like you don't your body, I guess, when you're sort of in a trance like state will just move stuff. So this is what's really cool is in 2012, there's a study. I don't know if it's been replicated or not. They found that when answering yes or no questions, Ouija use was significantly more accurate than guesswork. So, whoa, crazy. So like, yeah, when giving people like a quiz about like, I don't know, current events or news or it's, you know, something that they like might know, but might not. Yeah. If you gave them a, a Ouija board, they were more accurate than if you didn't in a study. So the theory is that maybe it somehow does like bring in your subconscious mind to like help with it. It's very cool. Or That's it is so ghosts. Cool. It's ghosts. You always have to say goodbye too at the end because if you don't, the ghost will like stay around. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that study's been replicated and they might have done that study 10 times without finding like, you know, without yeah. finding a, a statistical significance. And well, just, you don't need to talk about those 10 times. They didn't publish those. Like you can't. Yeah. They were like, well, nobody will publish the fact it didn't work. Let's do the study again. Yeah. Well, so what do you know what the word we just like? No, where does it come from? This is a, apparently it's like the the French and German like yes and you know like we and and ya, mm. yeah. So it's like nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> the yes, yes. Or like the Spanish laughter. Hi, hi. Ja, ja, ja. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. What I have some other Ouija Ouija trivia. What's the the name of the Ouija board in or the spirit in? Uh, what was it? The Exorcist. I don't know. What was the name of this? Captain Howdy. Oh. Because that's the font. Oh, Do you know wow. that? That's the font on the Ouija board is Captain Howdy. I I know that font. I've seen it on like DeFont. Yeah, like, DeFont. Yeah. So that was the, that's the name. That's great. I didn't know it was Captain Also, that's there funny. was... A, that's there a really were, like fun name. Right? It's like a name for a clown. Captain yeah. Howdy. Yeah, that's great. Because it's like Captain Hello. Yeah. Also, the one more... there There is an like an alternate Ouija board that um, that had a swastika on it. This was before swastikas were bad. 
Okay, it had like the Buddhist spiritual symbol yeah, on it. Yeah, it had that, but it was called like the Swastika Board, and it was it was published by the like Swastika Trading Company or something. Mm. This was like in nineteen, like it was like yeah, nineteen something. It was early nineteen. All right, I hope it was pretty early in the 1900s. Very early. It was extremely early. And then, of course, that company went out of business. So, so we won't, we, yeah. we probably, we didn't study enough on it, but we won't get into it. But, like, there totally is, like, Nazi magical practice, right? Oh, yeah. Like, so Himmler had a personal, like, magician. Uh, and, like, there, there was lots of, like, mysticism associated with it. Um, yeah. But, like, yeah, we didn't study too much on it. A race, a race, ha. Huh? Um, yeah. So, right. do you want to finish? Because I, you want to finish it with Satanism. We're gonna close it out. The hour gets nearing the witching hour, uh, so we'll close it out with. We're gonna talk about uh, basically in the latter half of the 20th century, the the two like biggest occult movements have been Satanism and chaos magic. Whoa. So we'll summarize both of those real okay. quick. So Satanism, uh, the the kind of a original form of it uh, was founded in San Francisco, the Church of Satan, it's called, and it's codified in the Satanic Bible. So it was established at the Black House in San Francisco on, of course, Walpurgis Nacht, which is April 30th, but in 66. So it's the late 60s by Anton Cisandor LaVey, who was the church's high priest until his death in 90, 1997. So then there's a... In 2001, Peter Gilmore was appointed the priest, and their headquarters were moved to Hell's Kitchen yes! <laughs> in New York. Uh, but the church's headquarters is now located in Poughkeepsie, I think, oh. just because the founder moved. They, or they want more space. So you maybe picked this up, unlike a lot of other like occult orders or whatever, where it's like moves around with like the adherents or whatever, the Church of Satan is very hierarchical, and it's like kind of a dictatorship, and there is like a high priest who dictates everything. So this has led to a lot of dissension within the church. Uh, what makes it satanic? And so this is very important. It's not just trolling the church. Um, and the idea is not that it, like, worships the devil. And they constantly explain this in Vice documentaries and on the Internet and everywhere else. So so the, we're going to explain it, too. We're explain it, too. The Church of Satan and then its offshoot, which we'll talk about, the much cooler satanic temple. Um, they don't worship Satan. They... They're all atheists, so they embrace the Hebrew root of the word Satan as adversary. So they view Satan as a positive archetype who represents pride, individualism, and enlightenment. That's like the rainbow flag. Yeah, and he's a symbol of defiance against the Abrahamic faiths, which LaVey, the founder of you know Church of Satan, criticized for what he saw as the suppression of humanity's natural instincts. So that's like... That should be a, like a, a red flag right there, right? Suppression of humanity's natural instincts. So LaVey was like pretty authoritarian. He's regarded, he was like into social Darwinism and like probably liked Ayn Rand. He was probably a libertarian. <laughs> so he's very into that kind of San Francisco, like free living or whatever, but also social Darwinism. And he's like, no, like the strong will conquer the weak. And like the Nietzschean Ubermensch will like, you know, reason above all. So he's kind of an asshole. And that's why, like, there's not a ton of adherence of Church of Satan. Satanic Temple is an offshoot, which is a much cooler version. And so we'll talk about them quickly. There's a Vice documentary, which I encourage you to go look up or go to the Satanic Temple website. Satanic Temple is very much about lobbying and making a stance and, like, 
particularly in the U.S., but they are worldwide. Because uh, your, your body is your temple, right? So they have seven tenets, which have, a lot of like scholars have pointed out. They've been like, wait, these like seven satanic temple tenets are more in, in line with the teaching of Jesus Christ than like the modern church. Um, I don't know if I copied. Oh, I did. I copied them down my notes. Here's your seven tenets. One should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. All right, pretty good. Be nice. Two, the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. Nice. So I like this. A lot of what they say is they're like, follow your gut. Like, do Use the right thing. Use a Ouija thing. board. Use a Ouija board. Um, but don't, like, go by doctrine. Uh, three, one, one's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. Ooh, so free. this, as you can guess, this means that they're like very pro like drug legalization and they're very pro uh, choice. Yeah. Right. And yeah, also also pro like, uh, you know, like assisted suicide. Can we for not example, say too. my body, my choice anymore? Is that like tainted by the, the anti-vaxxers? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> You know what? Good question. I don't know where Satanic Temple comes down on uh, vaccine mandates. They probably are like, whatever. <laughs> well, I don't know. It can, probably conflicts with we'll the We'll look idea. it up. Anyway. <laughs> well, so here's another. The freedom of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. So basically, like, free speech. Um, you can't just say, like, I'm offended or whatever. They don't really trust. I think they don't put a lot of weight. Honey, in the I'm offended lines. by your being offended. Yeah. Okay. Belief should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care to never distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. Number six, people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. And number seven is great. Every tenet is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility and in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. So I think they would argue that like a vaccine mandate is really with the spirit of compassion and wisdom and like for like people who yeah, are and unvaccinated. Yeah, you shouldn't bend science to fit your needs. Yeah, so I think they probably would come out uh, yeah. in favor. So they of like they lobby for like abortion rights because they're like we're religion and you're like fucking a, us a up. A key tenet of their religion is one, yeah, body inviolability so that like I get to choose what I'm going to do with my own body. And like the state should not be allowed to make laws around that. So they're involved in a bunch of lawsuits. Like they're suing about Texas's new abortion law. Nice. Um, and I hope the guy who's like going to court is like has like a ton of body mods and like has like the split tongue and stuff and is like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've been. Uh, that's the thing in all their interviews and everything. They're like super down to earth. So it's like they're like, oh yeah, we love like gothic imagery. It's fucking cool. But like. Even if you're not like really into yeah. that, if you just like the ideas, you know that's cool too. But I, like, I still hope that would be so. If he just like sticks his tongue out and it's like, like two oh, times. I didn't. So they did. Yeah, they do like a lot of like some. A lot of people think they're trolling, but they're like sincere in what they believe. But they did. So Fred Phelps was the guy like the the what is it that's like First Baptist Church or whatever that would picket the funerals of gay yeah. people. They had, they did a uh, a ceremony to turn his mom gay. Over his mom's <laughs> grave. They went to Fed Phelps' so mom's good. grave in like Oklahoma. And the ceremony involved two men kissing over the grave while the founder of the Satanic Temple dragged his genitals over the grave. <laughs> 
we have to join. And they were then like they were they were like they were they were like banned from going to Oklahoma. I think. Good they were, like, issued a restraining order. Yeah, so they're involved in a ton of lawsuits. They have a really badass, like, 12-foot-tall Baphomet statue. I want one. And the Baphomet statue is like a horned goat. It has male and female genitalia. Um, and Can it's holding, like, a book, which, you know, represents knowledge. I think there's a snake of knowledge. And there's two children, like, by its knees, like, learning from it. Um, Can we get one for Silo? So anytime a, a courthouse has put the Ten Commandments on their steps, they have sued that and been like you have to put like our Baphomet statue like on the courthouse steps because like equal representation freedom of religion. I love that. Can we get can we get a bat? Can yeah, can we're we definitely get one? we're okay. definitely getting one. I already picked it out. <gasps> I can. I found a nice mini one that's about two feet tall. Yes. Uh. So, yeah, Church of Satan. Like, look them up. They they're doing a bunch of cool stuff. I joined their mailing list. They're really involved in putting up billboards in these rural counties, which is like I don't care. But I guess it makes sense because that's where you convince people who are like need convincing. If you yeah. go around New York City talking about it, everyone's like, great job. I you put up a billboard. It's like Banksy's like, what up? He's like, I have one exhibit, too. So they've done a lot of. Yeah, they're they have a whole thing. They're against corporal punishment in schools. OK, we let's talk about. Let's move on. Chaos right. magic. That's a, This is the last one. And this is where your own practical magic may come from. So Chaos Magic is a very kind of started during like the new agey seventies and is now like still practiced. So our friends like the witch uh Peter Mercury. He says that he pra they practice witchcraft. Oh, they're okay. not a witch. Oh, they're they're they, witchcraft. Okay. They practice. It may be considered practical magic in the sense of uh it's shaping reality in accordance with your will through a series of rituals is the idea. I love and it. It's kind of pick and choose. It's very like DIY. There are different groups that form and can like divide. It's very like internet era sort of it's self organizing. Like and does this too. Yeah. So I do think it's very funny. We'll just talk quickly about how Chaos Magic like got started because it's just funny. Um, and we'll begin we there. Tell, right. tell, I want to know. Okay. So it was started by the Illuminates of Thanateros an international magical organization that focuses on practical group work in chaos magic. The idea was first announced in 1978. The order is properly formed in 87. So they're an important influence on modern forms of occultism. The name Thanateros is a combination of the names Thanatos and Eros, the god, the Greek gods of death and sex. Okay, so this society must have been really cool, right? No, they no. were nerds. So they were, <laughs> give me one example of how they were nerds. Um, well, I just got to say the idea is that death and sex represent positive and negative methods of attaining magical consciousness, That's like cool. death doesn't seem like a way to attain magical consciousness. All right. So here's how they were nerds in the early 1990s. The order experienced a schism as a result of conflicts about the doctrine of ice magic, a major proponent of which was Ralph Tegmeier, a, a German, a, a German initiate illuminates of Thanatos. Thanateros member named Helmut Barthel created the doctrine of ice magic, which is related to the myth that Germanic people originated in the ice land of Thule. Um, they don't. <laughs> what is it? According to the doctrine of ice magic, only people of Scandinavian and or German Germanic descent possess the, oh, like me, uh, possess the ancient dormant genes that allow a person to use ice magic. Ice magic is based upon Qigong, psionics, which is like attempted telepathy and martial arts. 
It's called ice magic because it also involves imagining large amounts of ice <gasps> and drawing power from that imagined that's my, ice. That's my religion right there. You would hate that. You hate being cold yeah, so I much. Do. Okay. Yeah, you're more that's of a fire magic. That's not my religion. <laughs> yeah. I like I like a, a cool setting. I <laughs> could do ice magic. Um, I like to ice people, though. I'm like, ice. Yeah. I like crystals. So chaos diamonds. magic is, is like, it's spun off from there, but it's kind of all over the place. And so chaos magicians, the real key is that... Uh, Chaos magicians treat belief as a tool, often creating their own idiosyncratic magical systems and frequently borrowing from other magical traditions, religious movements, popular culture, and various strands of philosophy. That's awesome. So what's your chaos magic? Oh, geez. I don't know that I... Yes, you do. You code. That's like a, a magical spell. It is. Excuse me. It's called computer science. It's a science. Yeah, so I would, uh, that's the thing. You, If you dig deep enough in almost any like work of, you know, pop culture or literature that's very cool, you'll find some occult underneath it, right? Be it like the, the Matrix series or we didn't or get to- Or just your, your life. You your know? own life. We didn't get to talking about him, uh, but the the author, uh, William S. Burroughs, like he did a lot of magic routinely well yeah in addition to being addicted to drugs the guy who wrote naked lunch and in addition to being addicted to drugs um routinely practiced magic including like cursing people that he opposed well yeah and like crystal ball reading and it doesn't have yeah. to be like so it cinematic have to be that, yeah I, it's, that explicit it's it's more it's like a, a practice where like yeah it's sort of like a practice a ritual that allows you to like tap into something that's kind of my like everyone out there practices magic hmm. some I, of it's not so good and some of it's very good i do like uh maybe we can end with this quote so there's okay. this nice quote from burroughs that i think sums up i guess what we were talking about with chaos magic or like making reality bend to your will through some means right and so i like that he said um what is it? So the, the underlying assumption of magic is the assertion of will as the primary moving force in this universe. The deep conviction that nothing, nothing happens unless somebody or some being wills it to happen. For me, this has always seemed self-evident. From the viewpoint of magic, no death, no illness, no misfortune, accident, war, or riot is accidental. There are no accidents in the world of magic. Which I think is in many ways the opposite of how many people think of the world of magic. Yeah, there's no accidents. I mean, everything that everything that's like ever happened is within your control. So it's, you can look at it as like it, everything is your fault <laughs> or everything is, everything is your fault. <laughs> you know, everything is your grace, I guess. Yeah. We're getting, yeah. Back into our philosophy episode with like Sartre. Yeah. yeah we'll leave you with that. Find your own magical practice. You can also do the magical practice of helping proliferate our amazing information by giving us a five-star review on iTunes. Yes, you yourself can bend reality to your own will if you were to give us five stars.